The Anfield Wrap, brought to you by High Street Solicitors, a one-stop shop for all your legal needs. Call us now on 203 1268. It is the Anfield Wrap, City Talk 105.9. Uh, Rob Gutman there speaking as I'm speaking as the show begins. Don't worry at all, Rob. Relax, relax, relax. Get yourself down and near a microphone. Well then, Becky there for reading the news whilst we're all crowding around. Are ready to get going. Good to hear the girls in Aintree are drinking a lot of gin, John. Good that, on them. That was my top story. I, th- I felt the entire <laughs> news. What are you shifting a lot of? Well, believe it or not, we're doing gin. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of tears later, isn't there? A lot of tears on Matthew Street. Best than Chardonnay Tourette's. Uh, this <laughs> is the Anfield Wrap there for on City Talk 105.9. Uh, if I was that sort of radio presenter, like a man called Jeremy Vine, I'd find out where Jeremy Vine lives, send a tweet out with a picture that's inaccurate and false. But as where Jeremy Vine lives is absolutely irrelevant to the rest of humanity, I have no need to do so. When will the sneering stop? You know why? I hope it never does, because it means they're paying attention to us. And by the way, if you're driving home right now, honk your horn on your car if you think Liverpool are going to win the league. Honk it now. <laughs> honk, honk, honk. I hope that's going on all up and down the Queen's Drive there. The, the Queen drive Queen's drive <laughs> this is, is, uh, she loves it she loves it she goes up and down every Sunday <laughs> endlessly so that's the Queen for you uh, this is the Anfield wrap the opening question Rob Standard have you not got a seat I have not got a seat I'm sure we can sort this out we'll have to sort this out at some point soon don't worry at all Rob you'll have a seat by I, if I can sing a song while standing up I'll do that <laughs> but, uh, but otherwise you can answer the opening question first which comes from the Red Dr. J which player from Shankly's 1964 champions would you have liked to say, see play for Brendan's Tricky Reds. There's a standout candidate here. Is there? Go on. I think you've got mine. Is this, is Ron, the Ron Yates. You but, haven't got mine. Ah, well, the other one. Well, the, don't, don't have two. You pick there's one. only 11. <laughs> there's a, there's a, okay, only I'm not going to say played. the words, but I'm just going to say he's a tricky winger. Oh, Rob. <laughs> uh, Jim Boardman. Just, just for the sake of it, was, uh, was, he, in, was he in St. John in 1964? Yeah. Was yeah, he in the yeah. team? Because I, I, he, I, we know him more as a pundit than a player. People in my age, so I would love to see him as a player now. I'm sure he'd be all right. Yeah, would he get, get in though? Get in the get team. He'd be fantastic. <laughs> well, I don't, you used him. You used him sometimes as a, a, almost more of a deep line midfielder because Bill was, you know, good at the tactics. <laughs> uh, on top of everything else, he was good at. John, what are you going for? See, see, I was thinking Ron Yates just to throw him in just for <laughs> Sunday. But then I don't know how good he was on the ball, you know, with Brendan like it's a player out the back. But he was probably great. You know, Shankly was good at the passing as well. He was. He, lo- he, he liked to get them doing the passing. But I'm going to go for the hipster answer. Go on. Chris Lawler. You're going for Chris Lawler? Goals from full back. We've, we've struggled a little bit. I mean, we're all right now, but we've right struggled. Right back, though, John. Right back. I'm all right with that. You're Glenn Gunn-Jones has been, in, he's been injured. I'll play him left back. How about that? Uh, but, he's, but he's been injured throughout the season. He could, he could have had more of a rest if Lawler would have been around. Not as not, all them goals from fullback. Yeah. Didn't have as many games as, you, as you'd think. 63, 64. It was when he began to break into the side. Uh, so the hips and answers, not that hip. So, so he's, the, he's, the, he's, he's that, like that Flanagan. He's, he's more like more like Flanagan than he is like like Glenn Johnson. If you see what I mean, that season didn't didn't he was just beginning to break through. There, it was Ronnie Moran's last full season playing fullback for Liverpool, and he, he started the majority of the games. I'm still having him just to please your dad. You can't still have him. My dad will be my dad will be happy. The hipster and answers. People Peter Thompson. I was yes, going to say, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Peter is Thompson it? in this side absolutely. playing as an inside-out winger. He was a left-footed winger who played down the right or vice versa. I can't quite remember. Peter Thompson is the answer that all the cool kids will be screaming at their radios. I think he got the goal. They clinched the title as well. And I'm, I'm not saying I could get any more confident than I am now, but if we had someone 
in the squad. Who'd done it before? Who'd done it before? He's, <laughs> the, he's the one Shanks would have bought in the January transfer window instead of Conor Plianka. He's the, he, is, he's in, he is indeed the Conor Plianka. But I think so. endlessly about who's going to get the goal who clinches the title. I think about it all the time and I can't decide who it's going to be. But if we had Peter Thompson, it'd no, definitely be him. If, if that happens, and I'm not as confident as you, John, it's, it's Coutinho. It's, the big, there's the, no debate. The big there's no debate about the <laughs> debate because that's because I've seen it. I've seen. I've seen. Well, you, you are supremely confident then. The big trouble we'd have with these are is keeping them all off the gin the night before the match, though, isn't it? <laughs> don't send them the national. Tell you, <laughs> you can't walk for it. Don't send those lads the national. Okay, okay, that's the tricky reds for you. We're going to move on to the tricky reds as we go through the show. In part two, we've got Rory Smith coming, uh, talking about why a league win uh, for Liverpool reflects worse for Chelsea and Arsenal than a City one does, and also about the league moving forward, which is something me and Mr. Gutman have talked about on many occasions in part three we'll be uh, bracing ourselves for the aerial bombardment of West Ham United uh, first though Rob Gutman six to go six count <laughs> them count them on your stood up hands six to go um, <laughs> go on Chelsea first then yeah Chelsea aren't out of it are they no <laughs> although we've put them a massive two points behind us I'm, I've actually worked it out it's not six to go it's four to go if we win the next four which includes Chelsea and Man City we're, we're having a conga for the last two games. It's too easy. But Chelsea, no, Chelsea, seriously, they're not out of it. Mourinho is doing his utmost to pretend uh, that they're the small horse in the race. And it's just not washing. Although they, they're they hitting a very, very difficult phase. There's no doubt about it. Is it three losses out of four now? or Yeah, they, they punctuated a disastrous period, really, with a 6-0 win over Arsenal. Which in a game that was sort of over after 20 minutes. But well, this is one of the oddities this season, isn't it, Rob, really? You can say that, and you can also say that if you take out the side that's going to finish probably fourth in Arsenal, mm. though hopefully Everton might do something this weekend, if you take out the side that's likely to finish sixth or seventh uh, this um, in Tottenham, mm. Chelsea have only scored nine in the last nine. They just happen to have smashed both of those sides that are finishing in the top eight. And it's this odd situation this season where there's certain sides who can be absolutely bullied by their competitors. Yeah, yeah. Chelsea have, uh, f- well, they, are they flat track bullies? Who knows? Because they have beaten some big sides along the way. No They're... one knows what this track is. You know, it's a no, new track. They, they are the only side to have dented Man City's home record. Uh, they are the side that smashed Arsenal the other week. But they're also, they are the side, you look at Liverpool and City. Liverpool and City are not losing at Villa. Liverpool and City are not getting uh, re- uh, beaten at Crystal Palace. And I don't want to tempt fate here. It's a very, very strange Chelsea at the moment. You you, you can't actually pitch what they're going to, how they're going to turn up next. Um, Kieran, uh, Kieran Morris, uh, we honked on the dock road and everybody went mad. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Great stuff, Kieran. Uh, good on you, mate. Um, John, if I Jim first. They they weren't impressive in Paris. Theoretically, it's the most straightforward running, but they do look wobbly at the moment. You, do, you know, it, they seem they seem to have deliberately made themselves an odd side. It was clear what they were about sort of four to six weeks ago. They were about being really really tight at the back, being clinical up front, not necessarily battering people, but steamrolling. And they seem steamrolling opposition down eventually. They seem to have become neither one thing nor the other. The only thing they have become is is a team that look like. They're all they, they all look so down. Mourinho's not helping with all these comments about his strikers and the mind games that he likes to play with. To me, seem to be working against him to some extent. He's he's trying to play for something, he's trying to get money for somebody, he's trying to overwrite or gloss over how much money he got last summer uh, when he didn't go buy a striker and, and gave Etta a massive contract. I just think 
Their, their problem at the moment is that they just all seem to be on a downer, but they're the kind of team that, that can just bounce back. They're, they're not, they've not come rubbish overnight. So they're, just, they're just having a bad run, and that, that could end starting this weekend, so we can't write them off, definitely. It's, it's tough, isn't it, with Chelsea, John? You just simply can't write them off. There's so much experience there of what it takes to win a league title, just not necessarily what it takes to win a league title in this mad year. I'm writing them off. Are you doing it? Completely, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two points, it might as well be 20. You know that mad point where us and Arsenal won the same amount of points, but we were like 6-1 to one for the league and they were 33 or something? Yeah. And then everyone was like, well, that's a bit mad, but it sort of makes sense. I'm like that with Chelsea. They've gone. They've talked themselves out of it. If it, if it was the if it was the Grand National, you wouldn't you wouldn't be putting your money on them now at this late stage. You can bet on you know football I mean? as well, Jim. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think Grand Mason hasn't got the monopoly on betting. <laughs> no, they they are completely gone. I think I think I mean, Mourinho's just called half of them rubbish for the start. You think them strikers are going to go on out and play for him? I won't put my shorts on for him. At the I, I think John's right. He's prioritised getting his excuses in early. I mean, it's, well, we're going to talk to Ronnie about this in part two. Of course, the, the one thing you can say about this Chelsea side is, and we we were we were sent out a warning message over Christmas on this is they can look uh, below the required standard and pull out a performance and it would be wrong of us to be complacent and think they can't come to Anfield and suddenly play at a higher level and do us God, God knows we remember that from 2009 I just don't think the heart's in it can't see it I think well, they'll turn up like they did that was how Andy Carroll battered them well on this Jim uh, first again mad season Man City went to Arsenal last weekend and took a point they took a point. I was watching this and I actually had an argument with Steve Graves where Steve Graves went on 70. They took a point here, you know, City. And I went, no, they haven't, Steve. They haven't took a point. And then before you know where they are, the sub and Javi Garcia on to shore her up in centre midfield. The Milner sub made sense, but the Javi Garcia one was pretty much this will do us. Why are Man City taking a point, Jim? Maybe, I don't know. There's something about Pellegrini, probably some maths problem actually he's got something to do with it. He's probably worked out the points wrong or something. But I, I think... They're at this stage now where they don't want to take risks, and maybe when you do look at the the full number of games you've got left, and you're wondering where you might drop a couple of points, maybe that's all it is. They just thought Arsenal was one where they could afford to drop a couple. But on the other hand, would they have thought that a few weeks ago when Arsenal were, were much more in the title race? In a way, maybe they're just saying to Arsenal, "You're out of it." I think they're just trying to do sensible things in a season with with no need for it or no no rhyme or reason for it. I think he's thought he's. I think if he if he'd have drawn Old Trafford, he wouldn't have done that. But he thinks. He's, he's looked at them games and thought, do you know what? On paper, four points, not too bad from there. He's gone and won at Old Trafford. Then he's thought, we've got a point here. Getting beat won't be great here. You know, we'll just take the four points. And four points, in theory, isn't a bad return from those two games. So I think that's why he's done it. But it's people thinking sensibly when there's absolutely no room for it. That's Ian McIntosh's problem. All these people are acting like it's a normal season when it isn't. I think that's interesting what you say, John, because taking a point is something you do away in Europe. Yeah. In a run into a title, it's all about power and uh, and belief and storming across the line. It's it's, it's like a fifteen hundred meters. There comes a point where you kick round that last corner and and you just you just belt for home. And being tactical and taking a point here or there where you can come feels a little bit wrong. And this is the optimistic side of me suddenly surfacing with a a, a, a lot of impetus. Uh, this is where our attitude feels very different from Chelsea's and theirs. I think it's massive. I, I just couldn't believe it when I was seeing it. I couldn't believe that they were doing it. They were actively taking a point. Uh, we've got Chris Rothwell, who's been honking the horn on the A55. Good on you, Chris. Uh, also, someone in Texas has done it as well. Uh, <laughs> said he just got the finger. Those lads weren't on board. They'll know. They'll know. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's... It, I, I was stunned by it. I really was. Aguero as well. You know, there's this thing, John, you know, Aguero, it's, you know, it's, it was interesting what he said in the week about you can't rush this sort of injury back. There's a World Cup on the way, don't you know? There's no talk. They expect him to start against us, but he won't start at the weekend. Again, you know, it's... It, 
it's this odd situation where, it's, you know, as Rob says, we it seems like, and maybe this, you know, you never know, this could end up counting against us. We seem like we're the ones who are coming around the corner, who are turning the gas up, who are pounding that sprint forward, eyes bulging, legs and mm. arms pumping away. Kicks and they themselves, home. yeah, and, and, and everyone else is still a little bit, oh, they're all a little bit like, mm, is this for us? Well, I think I mean, there's, there's quite possibly a, a scenario as well where they think that the Liverpool are going to fall away. But I think Aguero, Aguero just seems like you know if you don't, if you offered him a four week holiday now he'd take it. He think great, I'll, yeah, I'll get I'll get involved in that. You know, get ready. I mean, he might look make us all look stupid now and come back and look really hungry. But I just it just it just seems to be the city that wants it as much as we do. And I think I don't I don't think I wasn't as flabbergasted as you that they took a point because I think he's looked at it like four points from these two chicken away games, not too bad, and we'll kick on from there. And he's expecting other teams to, you know to drop points in the difficult games that they've got but it just it just it just seems to be like a little bit of appetite you know missing at the moment from from other places and you know especially Mourinho who who, who doesn't seem to you know be willing to take the risk on on really going for it just in case he ends up looking stupid I heard Pellegrini earlier today he was just a bit of his press conference and he apart from saying that we'd won three in a row he was also saying that when he was asked whether Liverpool were the, were the, the favourites if you like he was just saying that with them having two games in hand if they beat them they go above us by two points but they don't play those games in hand until after we've played them and I don't know whether I don't know whether maybe he's just thinking a little bit too far ahead there as well that he thinks those two games are points in the bag when they're not. It is an interesting one. This I, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by what's going on at City. They've tightened up at the back. There's no getting away from that. David Silva's also very much hit form. Rob, if one of their yeah. players is kicking for home, it's most definitely David Silva. Yeah, he was the one that that was missing last season for them. He didn't reprise his form of the of the title season, and he has this season. He is the he is the key guy. Um, Aguero, Aguero, company, Silva, right through the middle are the key ones. Aguero coming back, as you said, there's a big question mark about. Silva's the, Silva's the one at Anfield we want to hear on the morning of the match. He's pulled a hamstring. Indeed. Let's see if we can bring that about somehow. Um, <laughs> it's, um, I'm, just, I'm not ruling voodoo out. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, us, therefore, you know, Brendan can say he can look one game at a time, but we don't have to. Um, he's completely right to do so. We're currently, John, we're the best team in the country. There's one thing I think that's going to define it, and I even don't think it's the home games. We're going to talk about this in part three. But what's going to define it, I think, is how Liverpool impose themselves on the road. I think that's the key question going on from here on in. It's being able to go to two, three tricky places, two especially, but I wouldn't be taking Norwich that lightly as they'll be scrapping for their lives. You know, and imposing, playing their own game and getting going and getting getting early goals and going from there. That's the key thing for Liverpool. Yeah, we we started fairly cagey last couple of away games I think United was sort of on purpose and we wanted to get hold of the game and get in control of the game we almost can't do that in the rest of the away games because you're playing against a team who won't, who won't necessarily be bothered about that Cardiff I thought they looked nervous I thought there was a fantastic atmosphere there and they, and they, and they kind of looked a bit nervy and a bit at first you know not really sure how to react to that and in the end they really turned it on but you know you won't always get the chance to do that because other, other teams in the league are stronger well literally everyone if you look at the table so I think it's. I think that we need to. We need to come. We're going to come on to talk about um, the West Ham game at the end. But I think. I think we really need to come out the traps a lot more in these last away games and really, as you say, impose ourselves quickly and look to score early as well. I don't think it'd be a case of well, let's just get for half an hour and see where we're at because we're going to be playing against teams who aren't as bothered about you know possession and, and controlling games of football. They'll just be looking to contain us and to to you know to create chances out of nothing. 
Uh, that's the concern, isn't it, Jim? It is It is about imposing themselves. They currently are the best team in the country. Liverpool are currently the best team in the country. There's no getting away from that since the 1st of January. They've been the best team in the country. The opportunity is huge. It's about now this imposition. Yeah, you've got to. And don't forget, being the best team in the country means you're the team that the other teams want to knock out of, the, you know, want to knock out of things as much as they can. You know, the, the bigger they are, the harder they fall and all of that. I mean, we're going about West Ham later, but yeah, we've, we've got to... We've just got to... Um, be ready every single game and I think although you say not, don't look at one game at a time I think what Rodgers will do is he will each game he will look at the last one and see what worked what didn't work and we've just got to evolve every game but yeah the away games probably are going to be more important than they're being made out to be It's easy to, to point a decider as a title decider to say Man City coming is a title decider but it's it's ultimately now about the accumulation of points as you said before if you, if you take those four Go through those four Rob you accumulate the points you stop City and Chelsea from accumulating the points and you get to where you want to be yeah, in those in the next four, there are two six pointers, and if you win those two, you're in position. Uh, I take this about the away games, um, and we have to get the results because if you drop, if we do what Chelsea have done, which is go in there, get nervous, things go against you, sending off an early goal and don't respond, before you know it, they go against you. But I think we showed at Cardiff, we've showed shown at Fulham that uh, I don't think that's going to happen lightly to this Liverpool side. We're better than Chelsea. Uh, our, our fear really is that City and Chelsea... They don't know, the only fear we should have is that City and Chelsea can, can raise themselves like the behemoths they are from the depths of, the, of, of, their, of their, the, the vaults they spent money with and cause us problems at Anfield. Uh, natural justice says we should beat them. I'm not so fearful of the away games. I think we, it's those big games. Of course, you know, we've seen 4-0 after 5-1, after 3-0 in the big games. Um, will that happen again? Can we take a draw? These are, the thing, these are the things which a lot will be answered after this weekend where Chelsea and City play interesting home games. OK, then this is the Anfield wrap. After the break, we've got Rory Smith talking about the sentence that uh, Jose Mourinho seems to prioritise, getting his excuses in early. Don't go anywhere, it'd be a profound mistake. The Anfield wrap on City Talk 105.9. John, there's news. There is news, fixture news. There's a lot of news. Uh Crystal Palace has moved to the Monday night. The bank holiday Monday, Crystal Palace Monday night, the tricky Reds under the lights. John Gibbons, how are you taking this? Badly, really. I was hoping for a full day Sunday and Monday to recover. I don't know how we're going to get in for work on Tuesday with this. But saying that playing last, we could clinch the title. We're going to win the league at Sellers Park. And then clinch the title there. Then, then it really is Congress at Newcastle. My, 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 my head's gone here with this development. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Anfield Rap City Talk 105.9. Neil Atkinson, John Gibbons, Jim Boardman, and joining us now after a fantastic piece of writing this week. Um, I love it when Rory writes something, Boss John. It means we can have him on. Maybe that's why he does it. <laughs> Maybe like that's his so. main motive. Yeah, he's like, he's going to just turn the stuff over that the media do, the stuff that the media do. And then he thinks, I fancy the Anfield Rap this week. I'll write something special, and Akko will give me a text. Uh, Rory Smith, you wrote something special this week, and Akko gave you a text. How are you doing? I'm not bad. I'm just honoured and privileged. It's none of your muck here, Rory. Uh, none of your muck, indeed. It's, uh, it was fantastic, really. It was an ESPN. Before we get into it, I'm going to uh, just ask you your answer to the opening question. Uh, who would you take from Shankly's 64 side into this current side now? Uh, Ron Yates, possibly Callahan, And you'd have Hunter St. John as options up front, I think. As options. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all about, 1964, it's all about squad depth. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Um, 
I mean, let's start the, the piece this week. It was a really interesting piece. It really genuinely was. I'm not. I'm not being um, uh, snide there. What I'm. What I, the, the, someone said in part one that Jose Mourinho has prioritised getting his excuses in early. Uh, Rob Gutman said that. Would you agree? I don't know if he's been getting his excuses in early. I don't, it's not quite that. I think he's kind of. I kind of agree with Rob. I, I never disagree with Rob as a part of the principle. But thank you, Rory. I think he. I think what he's done is he's kind of prepared himself for failure. So he's he's. We, we all talk about mind games and narrative and all this stuff that kind of doesn't mean anything. But then you look at what Mourinho's done, and he's kind of prepared us for the fact that when it all goes wrong, if it all went wrong, it's not his fault. And that, I think that's what he's kind of he's kind of an expert at Mourinho. He's getting himself into a position where he can't lose. So that if if if, if he says Chelsea are too young and too inexperienced, they don't have the strikers, blah blah blah, and they don't win anything, then everyone says, oh well, Jose did say. Whereas if they, they don't they say it in their voice as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean. That's not, it's that voice. I mean, I want to be careful here because in order to go through this on Mourinho's obsession with talking Chelsea down, the media, it is not a coherent whole here. The football media is not a coherent whole, not least because you're writing the sort of articles that you're writing. You can see other people giving opinions that move away. So let's not sort of act as though, there's the, the, as I think it's the cheap point is made, that, that all the media will do exactly what Mourinho wants them to. Well, I, th- I think there's a really important point here, and, it's, and, it, and uh, journalists don't get any sympathy for whinging, I realise that, but I quite often on Twitter will be told, you know, you, you all write this, you know, this, that and the other about Mourinho, why aren't you saying, the tr- writing the truth, why aren't you calling for Moyes' head, why is Liverpool such a hard time? And the reality is, I'm, I'm never quite sure what people want or expect to happen, because I've seen loads of pieces this year where individual columnists and individual journalists have said, you know, Moyes should go or whatever, or Mourinho's terrible for this, this and this reason. But you're never going to get a kind of a, a uniform opinion. Newspapers won't come out and you know with headlines saying Mourinho is lying or Moy should be sacked. That's not how it works. That never happens, or very rarely. So I think that I, I, I agree with you completely. I don't think it's the case that everyone swallows everything Mourinho says. But there's no question that he do, he he is very very good at creating a situation where he can't he can't lose. Not not so much that Chelsea can't lose, but he can't lose. So you, you look now, and it's all about the strikers. He's really good at. I suppose what it is is he dis- he distracts us by giving us these sort of throwing us these morsels that we follow because they're interesting, and it detracts it detracts from the overall issue. So at some point, I think Barney Rone in the Guardian today has written a piece saying that at some point someone has to ask the question: If your strikers aren't good enough, why didn't you buy one, Jose? He's had the chance. He spent twenty million quid on Matic, who's been a great signing in January. But if he desperately needed a striker, why didn't he go and buy one then? And I think that's what Mourinho does so well. He makes sure that he gives us enough information that those questions never have to be answered. Rory, it's Rob. Hi. Um, I get your point about Moyes. I think the media, in as much as the media, when they identify a clear uh, a crisis that that is beyond debate, they they will get the boot in and they will be ready to ask the tough questions. Mourinho is the consummate careerist and, and steers himself through situations where he's never going to be in too much trouble because there's a lot of money around, a lot of status around with those clubs. Um, but I genuinely feel, to be contrary to, to your view about how, how it's not so straightforward as it seems with a sort of a generalisation about the media, that he is given too easy a ride. I saw, I saw there was a few, there's been a lot of examples lately. Um, one the other day he was asked by a Sky reporter about his... Uh, getting off early before the end. I don't know if it's Jeff Shreve. And he gave the most ridiculous patronising answer about needing to give his wife the score. 
Now, we don't expect Paxman-like inquisitions as if managers are politicians, but it was ridiculous that he was let off the hook for that because his getting off early... I saw him do it to Tim Sherwood when they turned over Tottenham, and I thought it was... He, he, he walked over to Tim, shook his hand uh, cursorily and walked off. Uh, his talk about Chelsea not being in it, about being an underdog, is absolute nonsense given the huge amounts he spent and the net spend is vast. He's allowed to make his statement and it seems to me that the media as a broad group leave that to rest far too often. Am I being unfair, Rory? What do you think? No, I, I, I see your point completely. I agree with you, I think, on the, on the, um, on the handshake thing. I, I find it very odd. It's, it's, it's bizarre. But, I mean, what there what the definitely isn't is a sort of a set in stone morality, a sort of a guide... A guide to what, what is good and what is bad and what is right and what is wrong that we all follow. So when, at the risk of sounding obsessed, when Benitez did that thing against Blackburn when he got accused of sort of saying the game was over after Liverpool went 2-0 up, everyone goes nuts. Now, what, whether Rafa was actually doing that or he, or he wasn't doing that, everyone went nuts. Mourinho leaves before full-time and everyone goes, oh, it's just Joe, he just gets off before, before full-time, it's not really a problem, it doesn't matter. It, 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 things change depending on the case and depending on the excuse. I agree with you that that, that often the hard questions aren't asked or, and that what Mourinho's worked out is that especially in England, a pithy line will get him out of trouble. That, that doesn't happen in Italy and it doesn't happen in Spain and that's part of the reason that he fell out with the media so badly in both of those countries because they will just sit there and they'll say to you, we don't, we don't care about the pithy lines, what, explain the tactics to us, especially in, in Italy. They, they don't want the little gags and the little sort of asides. But um, I, I do think he... He, he, it's, an, it's a masterclass in the art of distraction. That's the main thing. That if he knows that journalists have to report what he says. That's part of the job is to report what he says and present it just as he said it, with your opinion left out. What then happens, and what I would say is that I think columnists and the opinion formers, the commentary at, will then pick up on that and analyse it. And that, they're two different strands of the same kind of beast, I suppose. It, it strikes me as the, the most sort of, you know, it's, it, it is slightly, you know, what, you're asking me a difficult question. Look, an enormous horse. <laughs> uh, territory of distraction. But regardless, and moving away from that, really, I wanted to get into the sort of the gist of the idea that it's Wenger and, um, and Mourinho, Chelsea and Arsenal. I actually think that it's as much Chelsea and Arsenal who've got issues if Liverpool win the league, significant ones. You know, it, it does undermine a lot of the a lot of the the, the the lines that come out there, you know, it's it, this is what's, what sort of strikes me here is that you can't keep peddling this. And let's, I'd rather go on to Arsenal because I find Arsenal absolutely fascinating at the moment. Um, I think, Rory, this has been a really difficult season for Arsenal supporters. I think it's if Liverpool go on to win the league, it's exceptionally difficult for the club because ultimately it's asking a, a, a great series of questions about exactly what the point of all this has been. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've, I've been locked for the last three days in an interminable Twitter conversation with an Arsenal fan who insists that Liverpool don't deserve to win the league. They're <laughs> not in the Champions League, which is possibly the most absurd point of view I've ever encountered. Um, and that includes quite a lot of major political doctrine. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's true of both Arsenal and Chelsea that if, if Man City go and win the league, then everyone else can say, well, they spent the most money. We can't compete. They spent the most money. That, and that's what Mourinho has been saying from the start. He came in and he was talking about City and how the pressure was on them and how their investment meant they had to win the league. If Chelsea win the league, Arsenal, Arsenal and Liverpool can say, well, they spent more money than us. If City don't win the league, then City look bad. I think that, that City are expected to win the league. I think that Sheikh Mansour and Khaldun Al-Mubarak expect City to win the league. They look bad, whoever wins it. If Liverpool win it, then Wenger can no longer say, well, it's all, it's all to do with money. That's the only way you can compete. 
Chelsea by spending the most money? Does Liverpool haven't spent the most money? They're not mired in penury. They did make a £50 million loss last year, but they haven't spent an absurd sum of money. If Liverpool win the league, but Mourinho's do, logic falls apart. Doesn't it, doesn't it strike, though, at the very foundations of what Wenger's been doing if Liverpool win the league? What, of this Arsenal experiment, doesn't it strike at the very foundations of it? That's my thing on yeah, this, Yeah, because it's, it's not just the money. It's the fact that you have to give someone time. If Brendan Rodgers wins the league in two seasons, especially given what he took over, then it kind of almost, you know, oh, we've waited for ages and ages for this guy to do it because you have to give someone time. And then this guy, who no one even thought was that good, to come in and won it in two years. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's absolutely right. I think it shows that I think the financial issue is more important because Arsenal, for all they haven't spent a vast amount of money, have still spent in the last sort of 10 years. It's been less than City and Chelsea, but they've still spent money. And what they've, what they've managed to do is stagnate because Wenger has convinced them that that's all you can do when you don't spend money. Yeah. Liverpool come along and, to be honest, I mean, it's not like Liverpool's transfer policy has been perfect. Like there's a lot of the signings have kind of been wasted. Yeah. And Rodgers has still managed to, to churn up a, a side that could win the title. And that, that reflects really badly because it makes it look basically as though it just it makes it look as though Wenger's been making excuses and going nowhere. I agree with you completely that it also exposes this myth of time that the only way to have any success is to give a manager time. And I suppose in that sense, the person that affects most is possibly David Moyes. That's what I was just going to mention, actually. David Moyes and Arsene Wenger have got so much in common. The Everton David Moyes that was quite happy to kind of finish. I think he said Everton should only finish about seventh. You know, that's good for Everton. And if they got higher, it was a bonus. And it almost seems like that with Wenger, that he's quite happy to get Champions League every season. And he's, there doesn't seem to be an ambition from them to go any higher. It was almost as if it was a fluke this season. I mean, they didn't start off very well. Then they did really well. And now they're going sort of back to the normal level. And I, I, he is the Moyes of Arsenal. Uh, Rob Gutman. Rory, do you think there's a degree to which, if whether Brendan Rodgers prevails with a, as a title winner or just as a second or third place guy, it's an incredible leap forward. Uh, do you think he's suggesting, perhaps to, to chairman everywhere, that there's a hell of a lot of store to be put on psychologically blending a set of, a, a, gr- a group of players and uh, creating a team which do, which isn't a factor of taking five, six, four, or four to six years of signing bit by bit and gradually building a team. Is he is he changing? Is he quietly changing the the dynamic of what's expected? Do you think he's a great advert for what happens when you coach coach football players? Mm. That's what that's what it is because. No, look, no one would say that. I don't think anyone would say that Liverpool are the, are the best team on paper in the league. They, don't, they certainly aren't the best squad. Um, then I, I think they're playing brilliant football, but they're not. They're not especially well balanced as a team. You know, the, the defence is still a bit rocky. The central midfield, there's a couple of players there that you wouldn't think. Rory, don't do sense on this show. We don't like it. No, no. <laughs> you're bringing you're bringing your sense and your logic again. It's but, fine. We'll just win seven four. <laughs> yeah, we'll bring our wins. <laughs> you, you looked at Joe Allen and Jordan Henderson, and they've been coached into being. I mean, high-quality Premier League midfielders. And that, that is what Rodgers is showing, is that for all the talk of you need money, you need time, you've got to piece things together bit by bit, all of this, all the stuff you, you talked about, what Rodgers is showing, and I think to an extent he shows it whether they finish first, second or third, is that if you get a good coach in, and he can create, I agree with Rob, that the, the psychological kind of environment is crucially important, but also the, the technical work that they're doing, and you have kind of a plan, even if, as in Liverpool's case, it's kind of not the, the plan they started with, but it's kind of a plan that they've happened upon and it works, then you don't need all of that stuff. You can just turn a team that was, was distinctly average last year, admittedly with one outstanding player, into a team that can win a lead, even if the lead is kind of a little bit in transition and it's all a bit chaotic and it's not normally like this. Uh, but you can take advantage, and I think that's what Rodgers does. And I think from that point of view, Liverpool winning the lead kind of reflects badly on everybody. Well... 
on this then, looking forward from this point, sort of going forward, I, I, my, one of my things on this, Rory, is I think suddenly Wenger's football is looking almost just a, just a, a little bit outdated. Oh, when don't get me started on Wenger, Neil, because the thing with Wenger, and this is, and I'm really sorry to interrupt, but what never gets mentioned, and it really irritates me, is when did Arsenal last do something different? Yeah. When did Arsenal last set up differently? They're great team, great players, but you know exactly what they're going to do every single time, and good teams will find you out. Uh, I want to go to Rob Gutman first on this, Rob. I mean, I, we've had this conversation a few times. Hmm. It's very, very difficult to see anyone winning three titles on the bounce anytime soon. Well, that's, that's an interesting point, actually, and I can't remember what we've ever concluded on this. We've got, we'll return to a 1960s sort of arrangement where ah. the very few sides retain the title. There's five or six sides every single year who, come, come Christmas, come January, look as though they've got a genuine interest. Yeah, yeah. Are we entering a phase of competitiveness? And... Is it, what makes that happen other than other than a, a cyclical nature of the of the big sides and the planets uh, eventually colliding? I don't know. Um, you look at our, Rory to hit on one of your points. You look at Arsenal this season. I, I'm a, I'll be a, I'm a Wenger apologist, so I'm going to have a go at it. They have lost Walcott and Ramsey for the for the vast majority of the season, and they're massive players for them. Wilshire Wilshire too for for large tracts. Uh, I'm just I'm just not sure. There's a bigger issue with Wenger and spending, but he doesn't do anything different, as Rory said, Rob. I know that that's that's undeniable. I was going to make a very glib point about the current Liverpool side, which of what it feels like. It reminds me of an '80s kids movie I remember watching called The Bad News Bears, and it's it's typical. You, Liverpool feel like a disparate band of kids put together at no chance, and a coach coached them and turned them around. And there's <laughs> and there's uh, sort of fast action training sequences like in Rocky, and they've been turned around. <laughs> when did we last see this in English football, apart from a Brian Brian Clough side? And well, and this is—I mean, Brian Clough side again being mentioned there, Rory. What, what, what this begins to look to me, and I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously this season sorted, and Liverpool are going to win the league. But I'm very, very interested in the way in which next season's going to play out, and 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 the two or three seasons that follows, because I do think things are now noticeably different. I don't think Manchester City have quite got dominance in them. Uh, it doesn't look as though Chelsea have entirely either. They haven't, don't seem to be as, as focused on it as they once were. You know, it's, it's, it is easy to foresee a situation where, and we're looking at a fair. A few years of, of of genuine genuine title scraps like this one. You know, it's hard to know, isn't it? Because it could be that City go out and buy three players in the summer, even with financial fair play, and that those three players transform them into this kind of this behemoth that they're meant to be this season. Chelsea, I think, will be there or thereabouts. I think Spurs at some point might come good. Arsenal might come good. United, I'm sure, will be stronger next season. Although if they've still got the same manager, they might not be as strong as they need to be. Um, and Liverpool, I think, will be there or thereabouts. But the so yeah, I think from that point of view, it could well be that. For the next two or three years, there's not an obvious candidate to kind of just grab the lead by the scruff of the neck. But what I would say is that that's actually quite bad from the point of view of Europe. Because when you go and buy a player, what they want to hear is, well, we're going to be in the Champions League for the next three years. So you come here, you'll play Champions League football every year. Not one of those teams can, can say that for certain anymore. Because, because if there's six or seven competing, only four can get in. And that means that all of those clubs will have a, have a difficulty going to those elite players, the Tony Proces, that those players and saying, well, look, we will be in the Champions League. You, you can go and say you might be in the Champions League, but you can't say you will be in the Champions League. Um, and I think that, that is a factor, and that probably will, will increase the competition to an extent, simply because no one will quite be able to get those players that make the difference week in, week out, those Ronaldos and uh, that, players of that quality. As ever, speaking to Rory is very, very interesting because we get into another conversation there, which I'd love to do right now, which is that next this this forthcoming summer in terms of transfers is as interesting in England about who leaves the clubs as it is as who comes in. Uh, Rory Smith, thank you very much for taking the time. Don't go anywhere after the break. We'll be talking about Liverpool going to West Ham United. The Anfield Wrap on City Talk 105.9. So to... 
am I on? So to re- reiterate the news, the Anfield rap here, City Talk 105.9, to reiterate the news, um, Liverpool versus Crystal Palace, or more accurately, Crystal Palace versus Liverpool, has gone to Bank Holiday Monday, uh, 8 o'clock kickoff at Selhurst Park. Everton versus Manchester City is Saturday half five. I might go. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> it's wild. Half past five, Everton versus Manchester City on that Saturday. I don't know what to do with that information, John. <laughs> it's absolutely... that, that game's been in that slot before, and Everton have really snotted them. And they're going to do it again. There's no getting away from that. Uh, we'll see you on the Gladys Street for that. Uh, <laughs> it's Neil Atkinson, John Gibbons, Jim Boardman and Rob Gutman. Uh, no, our pictures are no longer freely available. Um, I want to plug a couple of things. Last night I was lucky enough to interview for the forthcoming Anfield Rap magazine, the authors of Falling for Football, which is on Oakley Books. It's uh, edited by uh, Rob McDonald. They're not authors, they're editors and compilers more than anything. Uh, Rob McDonald and Adam Bushby. The book's excellent. I strongly recommend the book. Uh, if you get the opportunity to get hold of it, do so. It's 44 different stories of people deciding that football was most definitely for them uh, very rivalry free I'd recommend it strongly anything else to plug anyone we all alright that magazine we do is good well that magazine we yeah. do issue 9 will be out hopefully <laughs> soon I think I'm probably going to be the last person to contribute well in um, also yeah as ever uh, <laughs> oh, the, 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 the last with the words uh, also a big shout out for uh, Radio City's uh, Grand National coverage tomorrow um, and also at the Grand National at 4.55 in that stage little thing that they've got there you'll have Esco Williams at half past five-ish you'll have the T-Street band um, both of those will be very very worth seeing indeed um, okay then Rob, Rob Gutman said to me in the break I've got a lot to say about West Ham I've watched them a few times what have you got to say about West Ham jeez um, well what kind of a game are we going to encounter from West Ham the interesting... you don't need to watch them a lot to answer that but go on no no I know <laughs> well the, the, the interesting you set yourself up like an expert I, they're, they're safe now and it goes one or two ways they're either, they've either got their foot off the gas and, and it becomes an easier game for us or they can relax and Sam can treat this like a cup final, which shows that all those who wanted him sacked after they were humiliated in that semi-final against City and against Forest in the cup can, can go and uh, go away. And Sam, Sam, Sam was boo, his team was booed despite winning against Hull for the, for the way they approached the game. Against Sunderland, it seemed to suit them perfectly. They sat incredibly deep with two banks of four and looked to use the, the power and the pace and the dynamism that is Stuart Downing on the break. And I was shocked at how effective he is for them. And I saw an interview with um, their chairman, Gold, in, uh, in the week where he talked about Stuart Downing being possibly their best player this season. Uh, I, this has gone under my radar, but seeing him the other night, it was entirely plausible. Andy Carroll uh, routinely headed one in from a corner in the way he didn't do for us. So there seems to be there seems to be a couple of elements for West Ham. I, I think they will sit deep against us. Uh, I think they will use Downing to break. I think they'll use to tr- they will try and get set pieces, uh, cheap set pieces, and try and hit Andy Carroll. That's what they'll do. I don't think they'll take the game to us, which is um, a shame because we'd like that. Uh, John Gibbons, how do you set up? We've asked this before. How do you play pressing football, aggressive pressing football against a side that doesn't want the ball and would rather kick it out of play a long way away from their goal at any given opportunity? It's very difficult. I'm not sure you can. You know, you can, you can, you can try and get people into corners. You can try and rush people. You can, you know, try and force situations where people are in positions with the ball that they don't necessarily want to be. But as you say, if they're not, they're not going to be looking to play it out from the back by any stretch of the imagination. You know, it's not going to take them eight passes to get up to Andy Cavill. It's going to be one or two, and so it is difficult from a defensive point of view to. You know, to to look to be aggressive in that way, they're just going to have to be smart. We're just going to have to crowd around dangerous areas, and we're just going to have to, you know, try and think about them a bit as well. Although we only want to think about us, and we're, we're top of the league, you have to think about you know little things that they are going to try and do. I'm a little bit worried about right side. They have been uh, moving 
the army who's who's very big um wide right and using him aerially as well up against flanagan and maybe carol po- pulling wide as well that that worries me a, a touch I, I think what we need to do is just get the early goal and then we're sorted then aren't we they're gonna to have to play differently it's just gonna totally mess their plans up do you think it would, Jim? I mean, genuinely, because we've had we've had people this season who, for instance, we score first, and no matter what the game is, they just keep doing what they're doing. I don't know. I think I think with Sam, I think it would. I think I think he would have to change it. I think Sunderland he, he, didn't. Different kind of manager. Sam, 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 Sam will. Sam, Sam will just try and change things. I think, and also the players will. Um, I, I still think Kevin Nolan is going to be interested in this game because he got sent off at, at the, in the Anfield game, and I think, you know, he, he's he's is he going to have the discipline in this game? That that's that's another another question, and that's the same for all of Sam's team. Really, are they all going to have the discipline and do what he wants them to do? Uh, Liverpool's shape, Rob Gutman, should it be a return to the diamond? What, what basically? Let me ask you ask the question this way: Which two are you picking from Al- Alan Sterling and Coutinho? I'm not returning to the diamond because I think Sam's going to keep them compact. Um, I, John makes an interesting point about Diarmi. I was actually going to say that it's not they're playing Diarmi and and Downing as as the fanning out wide players, and that's how they're looking to get out. There is no midfield to speak of, apart from maybe hoping Nolan can get get involved in some join up play with uh, with Andy Carroll. So there is no reason for us not to go with our strongest attacking formation. There's an argument that 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 uh, West Ham will be overly physical, but I don't think this is like going to Stoke at the Britannia on a wet, windy night in January. I think Stoke, I think West Ham, sorry, Freudian slip, I think West Ham are going to sit deep enough that there's no need for a Joe Allen on top of a Henderson. We'll be too blunt if we do that. Jimmy, you've got we're, 10 seconds. Yeah, we're, not, we're, we're, we're tougher than we were last year against them. Uh, I don't think he'll swap Sarko for Aga. I think there's an argument to do so. Uh, I want your prediction stroke expectations. I'm going to go Rob Gutman first. 3-1, Liverpool. Uh, Jim Boardman. Yeah, I think 3-1 as well, believe it or not. I was honestly going to say 3-1. So all three of you are going for 3-1? Yeah. Good Lord. I don't, know if, I don't know if that's significant or insignificant. I can't quite work it out. What were um, you going to go for? Uh, I, would, I was actually going to go, believe it or not, for Liverpool 2-0, uh, which is very much against everything I stand for and believe in. But then it's been that kind of year, and it's been wonderful to see. This is the Anfield Wrap this week. The Anfield Wrap, brought to you by High Street Solicitors. Have your will drafted or amended for just £49 plus VAT. Call 203 1268.